Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is John Sparrow, 22 years of career fire service experience, backstep firefighter with South Metro Fire and Rescue on Engine 13, creator and owner of Fit to Fight Fire where he has a strong belief first and foremost in his faith with his Lord and Savior, along with the passion that as firefighters, mediocrity should not be tolerated and that we must be physically fit to do our job for who we serve. I have a deep respect for John for being one of the reasons I even started this podcast and for him accepting the invite to come on and talk shop with me. With that, I present Mr. John Spira. My name is John Spira. I'm a firefighter, backstep firefighter, been a firefighter for 22 years. Uh, My story, how I got in the fire service is uh, I've been an athlete my whole life. I um, participated in all sports led me to want to go to college for exercise science and uh, pursue a degree. I was always interested in figuring out how to get the most out of my body and help others do the same thing. I was in college and my dad came to me one day and he said, what do you think about being a firefighter? I was 20 years old and I had never thought about it. He says, all you do is work out. And at the time I was doing adventure races, triathlons, marathons, just anything I could find to challenge myself and kind of figure out what my limits were. And where that came from is early in my life. When I was a kid, I remember getting picked last one time. I got picked last one time. I was probably seven, eight years old. And I remember what that felt like. And I know why I got picked last. I'm a smaller dude. I'm about five foot seven on a good day, 165 pounds. I'm not a big guy. So, you know, look back to seven, eight years old. I was a small kid. I was always the smallest kid and I got picked last. And I remember what that felt like. And from that day forward, I just made a decision as a kid, I was going to outwork everybody. I was going to outwork everybody. And I kept that mindset throughout sports. And I found that that mindset worked, continue to keep that mindset. It drove me to want to learn more about the body. I'm in college for exercise science. My dad asks me that question. And although I was in college for the exercise science degree, I enjoyed actually doing the work myself more than reading about it and learning about it. I like just testing different protocols and figuring out what works. So it was a drag for me really to be in college. And when he asked me that question, it it really sparked an interest. And within a year of being asked that question, I found myself in a fire academy and I started in South Florida. So South Florida, you have to get your EMT on your own, your paramedic on your own, your fire. So you're looking at like three years, you have to get your fire on your own before you even get a chance to apply. But I remember my first night after being hired by Boca Raton Fire Rescue, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I did all that work. It must've been about three and a half years to get in a position where I could get hired. I remember sitting there at the dinner table with the crew and I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is why I've done everything I did in my life leading leading me up to this point. And I remember when my dad asked me that question, I thought I could take everything I love, that physical side of pushing yourself and improving yourself and that mental side, and I could use it to help other people. That's a pretty cool, pretty cool way to live your life, right? There's some honor in that. There's some nobility. So for my dad to be able to see that in me without me seeing it myself uh, was pretty cool. And uh, that's where it started, man. I haven't looked back since then and uh, love every day. To this day, I'm the ha- right now I'm the happiest I've been in my career ever and is my 22nd year. I look forward to going to work every single day and I uh, feel blessed that I get to do this. This is a job. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. That's awesome. Um, my question leading to this, is um so you started in South Florida and now uh most people know you're in uh the the Denver metro area. So you've transitioned through two departments. Not an easy feat because most people it's hard for people to even think about switching one career department and you've done it twice. So um if anyone out there who's listened to this that might be contemplating this 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 transition How hard was it for you to do that? Well, let's go back to the first department. The first department, when when my wife and I, we first met, 
it was when I was just about to get hired. And our first five minute conversation was we both wanted to live in Colorado. That's the first conversation we had. We didn't know each other. So we kind of had that on the back burner. And uh, I did five years with Boca Raton Fire Rescue. And eventually we made that dream a reality and we moved out to Colorado. And I got hired in Colorado as a lateral firefighter. That decision was hard. It got real hard because right before I was about to move, we found out my wife was pregnant with our first child. And I already had five years on. Um, I was a SWAT medic with the uh, the police department. So that was my part-time gig was going to the range and shooting their ammo. I had like scheduled overtime all the time. I had a great, it's part of the wellness program. I was part of the combat challenge team. I really embedded myself. I was leaving all those things. I knew that, but then we found out my wife was pregnant. So there was some uncertainty. There mm -hmm. was some fear. There was some like, this is irresponsible for me to leave right now. Wasn't guaranteed a job in Colorado. A lot of people don't know this. I moved out to Colorado and I was still in the process with Aurora Fire. I wasn't even hired yet. I was still in the process. So it took a lot of faith. It took a lot of belief in my ability to be successful. And even if I didn't get hired right away, everything looked good. It was lining up really good. But you know how it is, the polygraph, the background check, something comes up. And now, you know, I'm riding on an ambulance as a medic trying to make ends meet for maybe a year. And my wife's you know, delivering a new baby. I mean, she had a good job. She was a speech pathologist with the school district, but still it's like, there's that, that's irresponsible. That's not what I should do. And I tried to, I tried to share that with my wife and she looked me in the eye and she's like, if we don't go now, we're never going to go. And I appreciate that courage and that belief that she really had in me. Cause I laid it all out there. I'm like, Hey, this is not guaranteed. This could happen. This could happen. She goes, you're, you always do what's necessary to be successful. She said that to me and I was like, all right, as long as you're good with it, we're going. And we went out there and got hired with that fire department. And I worked there for 13 years. And when you first get hired, you're just so grateful to have a job, right? You, you don't see certain things that you see the longer mm -hmm. you're on, right? Mm -hmm. So all of our fire departments, they have a standard for us. But as we grow as a firefighter, as we grow as a leader, we begin to have standards for our fire department. At least we should. It's okay for us to have a standard for our fire department. And there were certain things in my second fire department that just weren't meeting my standards. And that's why I made a decision to move on to that third fire department. Now, the academy part of it wasn't a big deal. I never, I was never afraid of like not being successful in an academy physically, uh, but there's always that chance you could get injured, right? So you right. take that, you take that chance. But I, I I stayed physically fit my whole career. So we'll go, we'll go to fitness right now, in a sense, because if you stay fit, if you're consistently working out and you're staying fit, that allows you to pursue opportunities when they come up. You you don't have to say, Well, I'm not ready for an academy yet. I need six months to get ready. And think about that. If you're not ready for an academy, are you even ready for the job? Like if, if you're, if you can't go into a fire academy right now and be successful, are you even prepared to go on the next call? So that was kind of the mindset I had going into it. Again, took some faith, took some belief. Um, I'm a, I'm a, a firm believer that God has watched over me and covered me through each move that I made. And now I'm the happiest I've been in my career. So if somebody's asking, how do you know when it's time? I, I wasn't leaving a department that I didn't invest in, that I didn't put my blood, sweat, and tears in. I gave that department everything I had. And at some point, I looked up and said, it's time to go. I wasn't somebody who looked around and be like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I believe you, you lose the right to complain if you're not willing to do the work to make the change. Now, once you do the work to make the change and you still feel like there's certain things that are just your standards aren't being met, then you have to make a decision. But that's a decision that's for each person to make based on their own their own circumstances. For me, it was the right decision. Uh, for me, it was the best decision. Like I said earlier, man, I'm the happiest I've been in my career. I absolutely love going to work. Well said and well put. And I I definitely understand your, your sentiments on that, 100%. Um, uh, and it kind of, uh, this next question kind of segues to what you already stated. So this is my question to you, how your faith plays a major role in your life with everything you've experienced, especially while doing this job. 
Uh, and I'm also talking about you were there. Uh, I've, I've heard you speak on this a couple of times. You were there for the Aurora um, movie shooting. So how does your faith keep you going? Because as firefighters, we see the worst of the worst, worst situations, deplorable conditions, having to tell family members, I'm sorry. Uh, but there's also a good side, having to tell family members, we got them back or they're breathing again. So how does that work for you? Yeah. So the first thing is, is Jesus Christ is my leader. Jesus Christ is my leader. I believe he's my Lord and Savior. And through that belief, I know God is working all things for his good. And sometimes the pain we see and sometimes the struggle we see and the horrible things we see, because let's face it, man, we hear, smell, see things that most people will never experience. And, th and those memories, they like hang on the walls of our mind. As much as we try to kind of remove them, they just kind of hang there. So it's up to us how we see those things. And through my faith and my belief in God and Jesus Christ, I believe God's in control of all things, the good, the bad, and the in-between. Not just in other people's lives, but in my life too. Like things aren't always great in my life. I'm not always running downhill with the wind at my back. I got adversity. I got struggles. I got family problems, just like the next person. But when those things arise, I believe deep down in my heart, man, that he's at work. He's refining me. There's something going on in that home that we just don't see the end result. That call we're on, we don't see the back end of it. We don't see what that looks like 10 years from now. We don't see how that impacts somebody positively, even though it's the most painful thing you're experiencing right now as a first responder. So for me, it gives me a perspective, not on just today, but on eternity, like we're living for eternity when we begin to believe and see things through the lens of God and Jesus, you know, guiding the way and being ultimately in control of all things. So for me, it's the foundation, man. My faith is the foundation of my ability um, to perform in that moment in time and make those critical decisions and, and, and take the right actions. Okay. All right. Um, the With the message that you're spreading through, through your podcast and your social media, have you seen others come at you? And what I mean by that, have you ever seen anybody come at your character or state that you're doing too much or may and or maybe, hey, you need to turn it down a notch? Because what we're doing, and I've learned this from you and others, but you know, that, that have started this before me, we're shining a light on things that certain departments, certain chiefs, administrations don't want to be told or said. So have you ever had any of that negative target come at you? Absolutely. Um, the, the one I get most recently is just attacking the faith aspect, not necessarily attacking me, but attacking faith in general. There are people that will go on and make comments just to say, oh, that's a fairy tale. That's fake. And I can't imagine living my life. Like if I don't believe what someone else believes, I'm not going to go out of my way to tell them I don't believe it. Like I, I got way more important things to do than to kind of focus on somebody that I don't agree with and then go out of my way to tell them I don't agree with them. That sounds like a miserable existence. It really does. But that's what people do, right? So of course you get that. Where I'm at today is it's a benchmark, man. It's just a benchmark that you're doing something. It's no different than the benchmarks that we get on the fire ground. You know, water on the fire, primary search complete. You know, those things that we look for on the fire ground for success, anytime you're trying to share a message, and man, this thing is not about me. This is not about fit to fight fire. This is not about John Spira. This is about something I'm being called to do. I am being called to share this message. I can't tell you how important that is to say right now. It is not about fit to fight fire. It is not about me. It is about the message. It is about a career and a calling that has honor, integrity, and character tied to it and nobility in a world where there's not a lot of that left. And we're like one of the last things left that get automatic trust when they call 911, right? So I feel like the message is, needs to be shared. And I know in sharing that message, there's going to be people that don't agree with it, but that's okay. And I don't feel like I need to go out of my way to convince them. I don't even have to respond to them. A lot of times I just block them and I move on because I am so convicted and believe in what I'm doing so much. It does not matter what you think. I don't care. Now, if what you see and it 
it inspires you and it, it calls you to want to become a better person. Well, that's great, man. That's the purpose. And I want to talk to you about that. We could have a conversation, but if you're just coming at it, just to let me know that you don't agree and you hate it and all that, well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I can't, I can't change your mind at this point and it's not my goal. So it's just part of the process, brother. It's a benchmark. <laughs> No, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. And and I like it because if you if you chirp back at every hater who comments on something, I mean, it, it you know, at, at, at some point it gets exhausting. Like you just get tired of dealing with the, 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 the naysayers. But in retrospect too, you like I will sometimes look at it and think. We're in a job, we're in a profession that. It, it's, it demands excellence. Like we have to be good at what we do because of what we're trying to do. The end goal is to put the fire out, uh, successfully extricate that person out of a, out of a horrible motor vehicle crash, um, provide this person oxygen until EMS gets there. So whenever people are like, Hey man, like you're, you're doing a bit too much or, you know, it, it's kind of like to me, they're saying, Hey, it's okay if we're subpar. And that's not because we shine the light to the public when we have to go, hey, we need to raise your taxes for this. But we're here for you if your house burns down. Call us 911. But, you know, like we're not truly giving it all to the, to the taxpayers. Right. And here's the other thing, man. Be you. Be authentically you. You get one chance to be here on Earth. Don't be somebody else. If you're being called to share something that you're passionate about and you believe it down to your bones, share it, right? Like you're not going to make everybody happy, but just be you. You will be so free when you begin to be yourself. Of course, there's certain things we can't say and we can't do and we might believe them because there's a political climate and there's certain things that we just have to manage, but there's a way to share your passion authentically and I, just do you. And if it doesn't resonate with somebody, fine. They'll find something that resonates with them. But obviously it resonates with people. What you're doing resonates with people because they're listening to your podcast. The message is important. And that would be my message to anybody who's out there. Like, just do you. Be authentic. If you believe in it, share it. Somebody needs to hear it. There's somebody right now that you're inspiring, Danny, and you don't even know they exist. You don't even know their name. You don't like right now they're, they're hanging on to the podcast. It's the thing. Your podcast is the instruction manual to get somebody out of their dark place. And God forbid you were to, you were to kind of play small and shrink because of the haters. Are you kidding me? Hell no. Be you, do you be authentic. It's important, man. The world needs it right now. I agree. And thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like I said, I'm just laying down the the, the footprint of of individuals way before me and because uh, because I, I i always give credit to that it, it wasn't my idea um for sure um why did you start fit to fight fire like my, my my the way i always word it is what breaker was tripped where it was like you know what we need this right now well i guess i, I had this idea of the fire service when i first got into the fire service so my background was I wanted to go into military and I graduated high school early. I was 17 years old. So I needed my parents to help with that process. And they were totally against it. It was the craziest thing because they're so patriotic and they're so, you know, they love America. But when it came time for their son to want to go to the military and pursue some goals within the military, they, they were like, no. And I had a lot, I valued my parents' opinion a lot, like big time. Like them, them not supporting that was enough for me not to do something that I really wanted to do. And looking back, I don't have regrets. It worked out great. I got the wife I have. I have three children. I have a great job. It all worked out well. But in wanting to pursue that as a kid, I, I read a lot of books into my teenage years. And I saw the military. I saw the special, the, you know, special ops community, that high level of, you know, fitness and excellence. And I just assumed that's what the fire service was. I assumed that everybody within the fire service handled their business that way. And that just wasn't the case. And so I began to have conversations with like-minded firefighters and we began to kind of share thoughts and ideas, but really the foundation of Fit to Fight Fire when it first started was just sharing a workout a day for 365 days. And each workout honored 
uh, a firefighter from 9-11 because 9-11 happened right before I got on the job. So every workout that I posted for free, it was just on the on the website. They'd go there and do the workout. And then social media began to gain, gain some traction. And I just started sharing the thoughts that I was having between my own two ears to hold myself accountable, myself accountable. And it just began to resonate with other firefighters. And then from there, it just kind of began to, to grow and build. And over time, I realized like, I'm being called to share my faith with this more than anything. And oh, that really started right after the theater shooting, man. I had some sketchy moments on that call. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're reciting a Bible verse in your mind while you're putting tourniquet, a tourniquet on somebody, that's, that kind of brings you to a different level of like, okay, I got one shot at this life. What is the greatest impact? I can make with the platform God gave me because God gave me this influence. It's not me, dude. I barely got out of high school. And when I was in college for exercise science, I wasn't doing really well. So God gave me this influence. How do I honor that? And that's what it turned into. It turned into the faith, the family, and the fire being those, those three priorities. And, and today, it's just a place where I hope people could go and confirm what they're already doing, if they're approaching the job the right way, they can just confirm it. Like, yeah, man, we're doing this. Or if they just need a little bit of a charge, just like your phone, your phone begins to die, you plug it in, well, go plug it in, go to Fit to Fight Fire, and hopefully something will resonate with you to get you off the recliner and get you into the bay, forcing the door, or get you off the recliner and go into the gym. Because God knows I know it. I, I need it. I, I'm not motivated 100% of the time. You know, a lot of this is just discipline like just disciplining yourself to do what you said you would do. So I'm hoping it's a place that does that for people. It just helps give them a charge and kind of a vitamin, some vitamins for their mind, a place where they could build the mind and um, attach to some, some quote or some message that confirms what they're doing or hopefully charges up the batteries or maybe gets them out of a, gets them out of a slope because let's face it. We all have different seasons of our career. We're not always mm -hmm. going to be that firefighter we want responding to our home. There are times where I look myself in a mirror and I'm like, Hey dude, you're just not who you say you are. You're not who you claim to be. You need to step it up. Right. So we're all susceptible to that. So hopefully that's a place that will help charge them up. Uh, the, the, the humility. Cause <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, um, you know, I state to people all the time, it's not like I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do like working out, but there are some days you get up and you're like, I'm not feeling wanting to do this today. And then you scroll through your phone and you see like your buddy posts the workout they just did and you're like, okay, like it's it's one of those things. And I, and I know you try to get that message out too. Like, it's not like we we want to kind of do it every day, but more of the fact that we need to do it because of what we do for a career. Like that one bad day or that one day you don't want to do something. If you're on shift and you get that one call, that's it. Like that's your play. This is your fourth and one. This is your final shot to beat the buzzer when that, when those tones go off. Absolutely. And it's, um, I've never regretted a workout, right? Like I right. might, it might've taken me a little longer to get <laughs> right. going, but right. man, once you're done, it's like the easiest way to get a win. It's the easiest way to build confidence. Like it's a voluntary moment of suffering. You're voluntarily suffering and you're overcoming the natural human desire to take the path of least resistance in like 20 minutes to an hour, you're done. And you overcame, you overcame that natural human desire to chill, to relax, to, to, to not do it. And now you got that for the rest of the day. And you're going to draw on that in other areas of your life. It's going to be a, a, a relationship you're in, you know, and things just aren't going well. And you're gonna be like, I, I've had a hundred hard workouts. I've been in difficult situations. I've overcame it. It's not the same thing, but it is the same thing. It's adversity, it's obstacles, it's hardship. So when you voluntarily put, voluntarily put yourself in that situation, you're building your mind just as much as you are your body and that resilience that's so important today in our in our line of work. So yeah, you know it's the right thing to do. It's just you got to get going. Exactly. Exactly. Um and for 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 those listening, um do you take any off days like I I'm assuming I'm not like a science uh, uh uh a medical or a workout specialist, but like rest days are important, correct? 
Absolutely. Typically when I'm coming off shift, we do the 48, we do the 4896 here. And if I'm coming off shift and um we got we were busy that shift, whether it was both nights we were up or even that second night we were up. Um, I'll typically use that next day because I'll I'll try and get every shift. I'll try and get at least two workouts in a shift. So I'm trying to get at least four workouts in in 48 hours. Why not? I'm there. It's not time away from my family. You know, we're not a super busy firehouse in 48 hours. Busy would be 15 to 20 calls in 48 hours. That's not that busy. I've worked and way busier firehouses than that. So I have the time. What am I doing with the rest of my time anyway? If I'm not, if I'm not working out or I'm not training, right? So I could get four workouts in 48 hours, come off shift, take a recovery day, right? Rest, eat well, hydrate. And then I got another three days where I could train again. And again, so at least one day a week I take off. And depending on how things are going, sometimes too, but I'm trying to. You know, I don't look at days as much as workouts. I try to get anywhere from, I'm probably looking at seven workouts a week, seven to 10 workouts a week is what I'm doing, but that's, they're not all days. Four of them are happening in two days. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now with you also being a part of, uh, yeah, because you're in the third, three different, three different fire departments. Uh, have you seen any benefits or like your opinion only, um, did Boca, did Boca Raton do 4896s or was it 2448s? Yeah. So I have a pretty well-rounded fire schedule. I have some experience with that. So Boca Raton was one on three off. Oh, they did so 2472s. We were, yeah. I did that for five years, dude. That was amazing because we had a D shift. We didn't have any debit days. Uh huh. We worked one day on, three days off. And the saying was, there's nothing that could happen to you in 24 hours that you can't get over in 72, right? Early in my career, I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's true. We know, we know that's not true, but that was kind of the deal. You take one vacation day, you got a seven day. It was an incredible schedule. Did that for five years. Went to Aurora. We did one on, one off, one on one off, one on, four off in a very busy system. I remember my first shift, we had a newborn at home and I was on truck two on probation. We got crushed and I'm driving home from my first shift coming out of the academy. Now I'm at the firehouse, my first 24 and I'm driving home and I'm like, I got to go back to work tomorrow. And I know as soon as I get home, my wife's going to hand me my newborn daughter because my wife didn't sleep the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and I had experienced the 2472 for five years. I'm like, right. what did I do? Right. And I worked that that schedule. I want to say we had that schedule for like, I don't know, seven, eight years. And then we went to Aurora, actually went to a reduced work week. So that was a 56 hour work week. Let's backtrack a little bit. Boca Raton was a 42 hour work week, which was awesome. Go to Aurora, 56 hour work week, that schedule I just mentioned. We go to a reduced work week, which was a 48 hour work week, which was one on two off. And then we got a Kelly day. I want to say it was every, every three to five weeks. I can't remember now. And it's only been four years since I left, but we had a Kelly day. So I worked that for four years. And then I went to South Metro and now we worked the 4896. So if I had to rank them, rank them off experience, not reading an article, mm -hmm. not sitting through a class, just based off my own personal experience, nothing comes close to the 2472. That is the best schedule out there. If we're truly concerned about recovery periods, mm -hmm. mental health, because a lot of mental health comes from not getting enough rest. When you don't have rest, right. your patience is thin, your perspective is off, everything's a lot harder right? Even easy stuff is hard. Think mm -hmm. about it. Like when you're rested, that same conflict that you have rested is completely different when you're exhausted, right? You handle it differently. So when we look at the whole mental health aspect of it that we're concerned about, that's a big part of it as well. So 2472 hands down, I'd go 4896, number two, with the call volume we have at South Metro. We have 30 stations. We're, uh, we're probably running about 50,000 calls at a 30 stations. So our busiest stations are 
2,500 to 3,000 calls. That's that's not a super, super busy system. It works. 4896 works for us. We wouldn't say no to 2472, mm-hmm. but the 4896 is, it's been good. It's been good. I, I get a lot done in those two days. I'm at the firehouse. And then when I come home, those four days in a row allow me to get back into a routine with the family. If you have kids, a wife, like you come home for a day and then you're back at the firehouse, you come home for a day, you're back at the firehouse, you come home for a day, like you're in and out. Like it's, you're trying to kind of get back into that routine. It's hard. But the 4896, the four off in a row, even the three off in a row with the 2472, those are solid for overall mental health, recovery, and just family time. Okay. Okay. Um, I totally forgot to ask you that too. Um, you already kind of broke it down. So you said, um, for those that don't know about South Metro, you said about 30 fire stations. Yeah, we got 30 firehouses and we, um, run about 50,000 calls. we got a pretty cool, pretty cool thing, man. You could be in more of a city kind of urban setting, and then you could be out where they have acres and acres of farmland mm-hmm. and horses, like mm-hmm. to get from one station to the other. I, if I get, if I have, if I have to change stations in the, in the middle of a shift, it could take up to 45, 50 minutes to get to that other station. So it's a pretty big district and it gives you an opportunity. We have an airport. We have a lot of different things. If people want to participate in different specialty teams, we have them all. We have every specialty team that I could think of. So it's been, it's been cool, man. It's my, it's, it, I have a firehouse. One of our firehouses is literally 300 yards from my, my home. So living in the, the district that I work for, the fire department I work for, has been pretty, pretty awesome. Um, I can say personally myself, I uh, I watch um, your 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 PIO. I think his name's Eric Hurst. If I'm correct about that. Yep, you're right. Uh, yep. His the vlogs that he does where they show like uh, the stations, the different crews. You could tell South Metro has something good. And granted, I I, I am not affiliated with South Metro, but from an outside perspective, looking in, uh, of course, every department has its quirks, but South Metro seems dialed in on how they, on how they want to show the public. This is how, this is how our crews, uh, uh, enact with each other. This is how our crews train. Um, when they show the different stations that are being built, like you could tell they get the input from their members, you know, regarding certain things. Cause not a lot of Departments, I mean, more and more as times are changing, more and more departments are seeing, hey, if we do this to show people, you know, it can attract us to get uh, more, more, more buy and more personnel. Um, so, I mean, I have to say from the outside looking in, you guys seem dialed in, especially on calls. I like the way your command structure is. The, uh, your communication that, that South Metro has is uh, definitely fan- fantastic. Um, what, are the, what are the things that drew me to the department? So, this was a five-year process for me. I didn't like make this decision overnight. It was just kind of looking at what they had going. And the, the thing that attracted me the most was the culture. What you don't have is you don't have firefighters sitting around a kitchen table complaining. You don't have them gossiping about each other. It's a lot of like, what can we do to get better? It's a lot of conversations about family. It's a lot of conversations about like real things. It's not gossip. It's not complaining. And I kind of knew that from the outside looking in. So the culture was the first thing that drew me. And it's proven to be the most important thing at that point in my career. That's what I wanted. Like there's parts of your career where you just want a lot of fire duty. And I don't know where you get that anymore, anywhere, unless it's a a very busy department. But that's kind of what you want when you're younger. Mm -hmm. But things kind of change a little bit. Still want that. But at the same time, like culture was important to me. Their commitment to wellness is incredible. It's the number one, in my opinion, I could be wrong. It's just my opinion. It's the number one wellness program in every fire department in the country. It's phenomenal. We have strength and conditioning coaches. We have a a doctor. We have chiropractors. We have physical therapists. They're hired by the fire department. They like work for the fire department. So with that being a big part of my life and important to me, that was another thing. But like you said, Eric does a great job, the whole PIO team of just showing what it looks like to do the job and pursue excellence. I think he does a great job of that through the videos Mm -hmm. so much that we get kids that are like seven, eight years old and they'll tell us more about the fire department than I know. And they're like, we're giving, we're giving them a tour in the station and they just start rattling stuff off. And it's all from that 
no, that's the world we live in today. So right. he just has really done a good job of taking that platform and showing the public, you know, what it looks like to be a South Metro firefighter. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, what's your minimum staffing across your apparatuses? So most of our rigs, all of our trucks are four person, uh, a significant amount of our engines. I'd say the majority of our engines are four person. Uh, we still have a few. Actually, I don't even think we have any left. I think we're all, every engine now is four person. So nice. yeah, four person staffing. If there's, if there's extra staff, they'll put uh, five on the trucks. If we have okay. some extra, like if we have an if we just had an academy come out and there hasn't been a lot of retirements. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have at least four on every single. Definitely. <laughs> that definitely goes a long way. Uh, it's it's very rare to hear that your entire, uh, your entire uh, department, your, you know, the, the minimum is four. So I, um, uh, I totally get that. Um, so one question I have for you, and I've, I've always wanted to know this. I'm not sure if anyone's ever asked you, but will you ever promote? It's an interesting question. I have been asked that before. And the answer is no. Um, I love, uh, especially recent calls we had, we had a call recently where we had, we got routed. It was a, it was a fire. And we got routed to the wrong address. And um, as we're pulling down the street, we could tell it's not the house that's on fire. We look to the right and there's a fire. Looks like about 40, 50 foot flames. It's behind the the uh, elementary school. And um, we're just kind of routing ourselves now, right? Like we're just going towards the fire. And as we're getting closer, now we're driving through the parking lot of the school. Now we're on a gravel road and now we're kind of butted up against a chain link fence that's about five to six feet tall and it's running who knows each direction so between us and the fire is a fence so we still can't tell what's on fire it looks like a fully involved like a house that has heavy fire i hate using the word fully involved it looks like a house that has heavy fire and we got this chain link fence and backseat new guy with me i'm like hey man we're, we're throwing the we're throwing the inch and three quarter over the fence we're hopping the fence I'll grab the supply section. I'm throwing that over the fence and we do full gear, everything on. We're hopping the fence, charge the line. We got water on the fire. It ended up being an RV that was up against a house that was, that was on fire. Medic unit comes behind us. They do a good job, grab the saw off the engine. And the only reason I didn't do that, I, I did grab some bolt cutters was there was a lot of fire. Like I needed to, we needed to get water on this fire. I even thought about the time it was going to take mm. to start the saw, cut, the, cut the fence, is it's just too much time. We need to get over the fence with a line and just start. I didn't want whatever was next to it catching fire. The reason I share that story is I love being in that moment, man. I love the the hands-on skills that I still get to do. I'm still trying to become good at that. I'm still pursuing like, you know, that firefighter I, I want I've always wanted to be. So for me, it's I still love that position. I still love the being that person that's going to go in and do the search. Not that you can't do that as an officer, a little bit harder to do as an engineer, unless you're second or third due. Right. But like, I love what I do. I love riding the back seat and being in position to do the search, throw the ladder, hop the fence. Like I, I love it. And until I don't love that and I feel like I want to do something else, my answer is no, I'm going to do that for the rest of my career. I love it. Okay. And I really do like when a new firefighter comes in, like having that ability to kind of go out in the bay with them and talk shop, not at an officer level, just as a peer to peer. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts of where I'm at right now in my career. Okay. Okay. So you're you, you, essentially, you're like the senior guy. Yeah. I don't think you could ever call yourself that. I think that's something that somebody, <laughs> somebody, but I, I've been doing it for a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah, saying yeah, like, yeah. You, I mean, you, you might be, like new in tenure to your current department, but as right. far as overall career wise, you have some experience. Yeah. And I okay. love sharing it. I love, and I love learning from them too. I love that. I just love the dynamic. Okay. Um, I think it's probably one of my favorite parts of the job is okay. just kind of, Hey man, this is what I did. I, I I shared the other day with, with one of the, with one of the guys or we're, we're getting him ready for his, uh, we're getting him ready for his uh, rookie test and we're doing VES. Right. And it was a great, it was a great training. We're like hustling with ladders on our shoulder. It was awesome, right? So we get all done and I'm like, all right, did you know what direction that ladder was in in the rig this morning? Did you look to see what direction it was in? You know, it was what which way was it being pulled out? Because 
on a call, I roved into a station that's not my normal station onto a truck company and the ladder was put in backwards. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. And within 20, 30 minutes of being there, we got a structure fire and I'm throwing a ladder to the front of the house on the alpha side and the ladder's upside down. And I'm pulling the halyard and I'm, 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 I'm taking the fly section and I'm jamming it into the ground. And of course, what do you do when you're looking around, making sure no one sees you because you feel like an idiot. But what do I do every now, every shift now is I look in there and I open it up and I make sure the ladder's put back correctly. So I love being able to share those things and I saw him the other day, he was doing the same thing. He's checking out the rig. He's looking at the ladder. And so that's a cool, it's a cool spot to be in. I think it's an important spot, especially when you have younger departments mm-hmm. and everybody's rushing to promote. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with promoting, but man, don't promote until you feel like you're a good fire. Take the time to be a good firefighter before rushing to promote. You know, there are people that are going to keep pushing you because they need the numbers and all that. But right. my favorite officers that I've had we're good firefighters first. Okay. Okay. Um, actually, I was going to, you, you kind of hit, you kind of, yeah, well, you definitely hit it. So my, my question too is, have you ever been approached like, hey, John, man, it's time. The, the knowledge that you have, we, we'd love to have you. And, and you just said you're going to, you're going to finish it out as a back step. So, I don't want to say, have you ever felt pressure, but obviously you're not going to, because this is, you, you have a strong belief, a strong passion that that's where you're supposed to be in the back. Yeah. And when that question comes up, I'm like, you know what? I really appreciate that. I, you know, I think that's awesome that you feel that way, but I'm happy. I love what I do. Um, I'm still working on getting better. There are certain things that, you know, we have all, we all have strengths in our in our skill set, we all have weaknesses. I'm still, I'm still working to get better there. And I absolutely love what I do, but I, I appreciate that. And after that, it's like, all right, this guy knows what he wants to do. He's not, he's not on the fence. He's, he's pretty convicted and certain okay. about how he wants to finish out his career. Okay. All right. Um, how do you balance it all with family? Like a, a, everything you do, because that, that, that's another it's one of those things we don't, I feel like certain departments are starting to see it. And so what they do is when they bring the recruits in, they go, Hey, this is, this is how fire department's going to be. Because, you know, we try to use social media to show the fires, uh, smooth board tips, low hose beds, killer on order, but we never talk about what we're going to see and how, if you want to be good at this job, you're going to have to be away from family because to be good at the job, my belief, you should attend outside conferences. You should go to outside training. That way you can get an overall picture of things that your department may or may not do. So how important, like, how do you balance that with, with, with your life? Yeah. So at this point in my career, I don't have a part-time job. I don't work overtime. So when I'm at the fire department for my scheduled shift outside of doing trades for other people, that's it. Like, so I have a lot of family time, right? I have four days off. Yeah. I have several businesses that I run. Um, I try to attend at least a conference a year. If it's local, it makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm home, man, I try to be home. Uh, I've done a better job over the last couple of years, like just putting my phone away, not being on my phone, trying to focus on the chill, my kids, trying to spend time with them one-on-one. Um, Live within your means. I think a lot of times you see people, they they spread themselves so thin that they have to work the overtime, that they have to have those extra hours. Like, it's not worth it, man. Like, it's not worth it to drive the monster truck that's got a $1,500 a month car payment. And now you have to go and work three extra overtime shifts a month to drive this truck to work. And then to pay for work, to pay for the truck, you got to do this. So now it's more time away. So I would say... One of the best things you could do, and we don't talk about this enough, but how many firefighters do you see, right? They get out of the fire academy and they go buy the monster truck and they're pulling a boat behind it. Right? No, you're, and then, you're right. You're right. And then and then all of a sudden you're like in this like you're in this like track for the rest of your life where that's just what you do. And uh, man, if that's your thing, that's your thing, but understand if it's taking more time away from your family to do those things, they don't care about that stuff. You know, Kids and your wife, 
they spell love T-I-M-E. They spell love T-I-M-E. And that's do whatever you have to do to get as much time with them as possible. And I think a lot of times for us, it's just kind of like managing our money, living within our means, not overextending ourselves. So, um, dude, I drive a Honda Civic, right? <laughs> I drive a Honda. I got guys that make fun of me and I tell them, here's what I tell them. And I'll just share this story. And this is kind of like the constant story I tell them. I'm like, I went to the doctor and he told me my T levels, my testosterone levels were through the roof. They were like crazy. He was worried about me. And he says, what I need you to do is when you leave here, I need you to go to the car dealership and I need you to buy a Honda Civic. It's the only thing that's going to bring your testosterone levels down. Right. And they look at me like, what are you crazy? And I go, so you have a monster truck out there. You're parked at a mount, a monster. I could only assume the opposite of you. Your T levels must be super low. And they're just, you know, so it's like, <laughs> I got, I'm tracking, I'm tracking. <laughs> so man, it's uh live, live within your means, be specific on what conferences you're going to attend. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter how good of a firefighter you are. If your family thinks you're a jerk, like, right. Like at the end of the day, you're on your deathbed and your family's around you. You're not going to be like, ah, I wish I would have went to that one more conference. Mm -hmm. So it's, I agree with you. I think we do have to do outside trainings, but we also also have to be realistic about like, mm -hmm. what's the, what's the trade-off? Is it missing a, a playoff game for my kid? Is it missing an anniversary? Like, what does that look like? So that would be my advice is live within your means be very precise on what you're going to attend and communicate that. A lot of us don't communicate that with our families. We wait and wait and wait and wait. And then we're going to this conference. It's two weeks away. They don't know anything about it. We're like, oh, but I need to do this. You don't understand how important my job is. Like you didn't talk about it. Talk about it a year in advance. Plan it out. Let them know how important it is. Let them get that buy-in with you. So yeah, man, that's a great question. I don't, I don't think we owe, and I don't always do a good job of it. Heck, right. man, I'm on this podcast. I'm on this podcast right now. My kids are upstairs, right? Like, so let's <laughs> let's be let's let's be real, right? We're not, right. I'm talking to like ideally, this is what what it should look like, but I don't always do a great job. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. I totally get it. Totally get it. Um. Uh. <clears throat> at, at at your age, how do you maintain your fitness level? And it it, it, it is a really good question because. Five, the fire service is a young individual's game. If you're young, you're, you're a hard charger. You, you want to be the best. You want you can do things that the uh, the guys that are getting up there in age are like, hey, kids, slow down. But at, at your age, you're proving. At your age, at Marcos Orozco's age, they, there are guys who are up there, and I'm not, and no disrespect at all, but there are guys who are up there in age that are showing you can do it too, but you have to put the work into it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I, I've never, I never want to be the guy who starts every conversation with, I used to, I used to do this. I used to do that. Like, to me, it's like, that's great. But what have you done today? Now, that's awesome that you did all that stuff in the past, but you are who you are today. Right. And for me to be who I want to be today, fitness is a big part of that, man. So I've been wired in a way that I enjoy fitness. I could sit here and say, it's my hobby. I could say fitness is my hobby. So that's the way I'm wired. So that's going to be a little bit easier for me. And the reason I bring that up is I've had people come to me before and say, hey, man, I need help getting in shape. I actually had a chief come to me and he's like, hey, I, I'm looking to get in shape. This is when I was with Aurora. I'm like, all right, man, let's sit down. We'll, we'll get some coffee. And then he looks me in the eye, he like points his finger at me. He goes, you need to understand fitness is your hobby. I hate to work out. And I'm like, what a great perspective, right? Like for, for somebody who enjoys training, who enjoys working out, you just assume they're just being lazy. They just, you know, like this dude hated it. He hates working out. So I have that going for me. I love it. It's a big part of me finding fulfillment. It's a big part of me uh, building confidence over my life. Like it's been a big part of my journey. But with that being said, I also feel like 48 years old, I want to show people, I want to show younger guys. I want to show guys my age. Like, look, if you just, if you just put in the work, if you're just consistent, if you just move, like people ask me all the time, what's the best workout for being a firefighter? And there are things that are better than others. Mm -hmm. My first question is to them is like, what will you do? 
Because if I tell you to go do CrossFit, you hate it. You're not going to do it. Right. A lot of times you're like, well, I like riding my bike. I like hiking with my, with my wife. I'm like, just start doing that. Just start doing that. And it just show like, hey, look, 48 years old is not an excuse not to show up physically fit, not to show up prepared. And all it is, is this is the part that people get all mixed up. Like it's not talent. It's not a genetic gift. It's just a decision. You're making a decision to overcome all the excuses that have been getting in your way your entire life. That's all it is. You're making a decision. And maybe it's 10 minutes. Maybe it's 10 minutes of air squats, right? So right now at 48 years old, I still love it. Still a big part of my life, but I also want to show others like you could still work out, pursue goals. Having goals is important, no matter how old you are. Okay. You heard it. You heard it from the man himself. Um, my last question for you. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, man. Lost it on, I lost it in the notes. Okay. Uh, this is what I call the, uh, this is what I call here, like the, 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 the shameless plug. I know you have several business ventures and, uh, that are doing really good things. Um, I don't want to like say it wrong, but you have, I, I know you have something that helps you with sleep and recovery. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, cool. I, I, yeah. I don't want to butcher it. So I'm, yeah, I, yeah. You know. I'll, I'll share that, man. There was one other question here that I think I wanted to talk to you about. Sure. You had a question on here about, uh, let's see, what does it mean to be aggressive? I think we use that word. Right. <laughs> I think we use that word so often. In the fire service, it's aggressive. It, it, and I do want to share how I see that. I, I think being aggressive, man, is about, like, you cannot be aggressive if you're out of shape. You cannot be aggressive if you're not, if your skill set isn't where it needs to be. I don't care how loud you are and how much you beat your chest. And, you know, I don't care about all the stuff, the pageantry, the stickers, the t-shirt, the leather helmet. I have a leather helmet. That's great. None of that stuff makes you aggressive. What makes you aggressive is going in the gym, aggressively getting in the gym and working out. What makes you aggressive is going out and hitting the door prop, banging on the door prop, stretching a line, throwing a ladder, not on a fire, but in training. And I, man, not the risk, the risk is not the same for every firefighter. I think people need to understand that. Like the risk for a firefighter who's physically fit, whose fitness, mindset, and skill set or at a high level, it's completely different than the guy who spends his entire time in the recliner, right? So when you're the guy who is physically fit, mindset's where it needs to be, skill set's where it needs to be, it allows you to push in further. It allows you to push in faster. It allows you to do more. So being able to do more on the fire ground because of all those things is what makes you aggressive. Not talking about it, not all the other stuff that people get mixed up with. The loudest guy is aggressive. The guy who curses the most is aggressive. No, it's the guy who's doing the work to position themselves to do the most work on the fire ground in the least amount of time. That dude's aggressive. And a lot of times those are the quietest guys you'll ever meet. You won't even know it because they just are those quiet professionals that go about their business on a daily basis consistently. And when it's time to do work, they're doing it and they're doing it fast. Right. And that's important because we mm -hmm. talk about that whole idea. Like, you know, time's the enemy. And, uh, you know, so that's that I wanted to share that at some point. And I appreciate you writing that down here. And aggressive is about preparing yourself physically, mentally to be able to push in further, faster and do the most amount of work. I, I can't, I can't argue with that. And, and to, to go along with it, it also helps, like you said, we, we kind of, we kind of hit on it earlier that, you know, most departments have some sort of standard, but as you, uh, as you go through the department tenure wise, you start to realize if that department is actually meeting your standards. And so South Metro, I, I saw a picture, I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of their training facility or wherever there's a facility where there is, a bunch of what I call uh, Satan cycles that that <laughs> that shows that yeah. priority is a yeah. fitness. And to me, 
in a day and age where you have to, and, and, and I agree, you do have to watch what you say, but we are in a business where we cannot have any excuses. Well, this, this person was just out of shape. Like we can't have that in this business. Gear is heavy. It's crazy to think, you would think with us going further in years, our air packs would be lighter, but our air packs, I feel like are getting heavier. Like nothing we do is easy. Everything it, right. it weighs you right. down. And, and dude, but that's the part of the job that's so great. Like our job is not easy. Embrace that. Like not everybody could do what we do. Right. Attach to that. And then do it's the more it's morally, let's get down the morals. It's the morally right thing to do is to show up physically fit. That's it. It's morally the right thing to do. Like there's no question about it. And then think about how about this, man? Think about just envision for a second. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, I want you to envision what the firefighters look like, move like, that get off the rig, that when you're not home, when you're serving your your fire department, you're working for your fire department, and your family's house is on fire, I want you to think about what the firefighters getting off that rig look like. And I'm not saying appearance equals performance because it doesn't, but mm -hmm. I'm just saying how they move their speed, their pace, their skill set, their mindset. What do they look like when they're throwing a ladder to your children's second floor window to VES and pull your kids out? What do they look like? I really want you to think about that. And that's what we should be pursuing because it's hypocritical, <clears throat> excuse me, it's hypocritical for us to want that for our families, but not be given that to the people we serve. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. I mean, you, you gotta, I, I always look at, you gotta look at yourself in the mirror. It's easy to talk that talk, but you gotta back it up. You know, if you, if, if, if as, which I'm not a chief officer, but if, if you are listening, if you are a chief officer, if you are expecting your department, your members to be able to do the job, granted, yes, you're in a position where you're not on the trucks, but you, it, it's a two-way street. You gotta be able to show them, you gotta lead by example. So if you're expecting this, then you need to be able to reciprocate the same message that you're trying to send. So I 100% agree with your statement. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I, uh, I know we're, we're almost approaching that time. So um, uh, I, I just want you to talk about because what, what, what you're doing, what you're trying to to uh, the message you're trying to spread out with 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 the products. And I can't remember the products. So that's why I, I want to let you talk about it. Yeah, no, no problem, man. So uh, I have a company called Respond Wellness. Um, I, for years, struggled with sleeping through the night. I can't even tell you how long it was. It's probably, it was probably a decade and looking at different supplements and different protocols. I've done it all. Sound machine, dark, dark room, temperature real low. And I was still waking up three, four, five times a night, right? So I wasn't getting a great night's sleep. I might've been in bed for seven, eight hours, but I was up every couple of hours, tossing and turning, and just kind of looking through different options out there, man, I came across CBD, which it has its own, its own stigma attached to it, right? Like mm -hmm. if you, if you use CBD, CBD, you're going to be like Spicoli from fast times at Richmond high, and you're going to be hallucinating and all this other stuff. And I started looking at it, started looking at it, found products that were not, that did not have THC in them, tried it. Or, and it's, a, I mean, that's, you got to trust the company that you're putting in your body. Cause my department, we randomly drug test. If I get right. a THC positive test, I'm, right. I'm jammed up. So it took me a while to find a product that I believed in, put it in my body, slept through the night for the first time. And God knows how long, but it was amazing. I woke up the next morning. I'm like, what just happened? Like, you know, and so from that, from that point forward, started looking a little bit deeper and wasn't finding exactly what I wanted for myself. So I started, I, I made it and that's what Respond Wellness is. So we have uh, four products. One is called Sleep Aid. So that's obvious, full night sleep, fall asleep, get that deep sleep, which is so important for us right now as first responders. Second product is Balance. I love Balance because between getting the sleep every night now, a deep sleep, and I use the Balance where if I come home and instead of reacting to things, instead of like, there's something that I'm not hundred percent happy with instead of reacting, it kind of creates this space where I have a thoughtful response. Instead of reacting, I respond. It's like, it just, I don't want to call, call it a chill pill or something, but I definitely has kind of noticed that difference. So that's the balance. 
we have a product called pain aid, which I use for uh, some back challenges that I've had over the years. It's amazing. It's a cream. I know we have a product called dialed in dialed in is mental focus and energy. So respond wellness was, was born out of my own results from using CBD, but looking for something that firefighters, police officers, military nurses, doctors, we have ER docs that use our products could put in their body and be guaranteed no THC. Like even our products are made in a facility where the products are not made in the same facility as THC products. Not every, not every THC free CBD could say that. So we kind of treat it like gluten-free. So there's no chance. There's a scan code on the box. You scan it. It takes you right to the batch that that product was made with. And it shows you the test. It's 0.000% THC. So we have people at our department using the products. We get randomly drug tested. Uh, I think at this point, we've had a firefighter in all 50 states on products. So the messages that we're getting are incredible. Like dudes that were like on the edge of like a breakdown or like, I'm finally sleeping through the night. Thank you. So that's what it's about, man. It's about addressing those areas, stress, sleep, pain, and focus. That's kind of what we struggle with as first responders. And you could go head on over to respondwellness.com and check it out. It's changed my life. I've been using it for over a year. Okay. Uh, one question I have for the, definitely for the sleep aid. Is that something you could, was, is that something you would recommend to use off of duty? I use it on shift too, man. Okay. So yeah, I use it on shift. I, um, I mean, I've had nights where we're up four or five times after midnight. I wake up every time, go to the call, perform no different than I normally would come back mm -hmm. and fall right back asleep. Ah. See that that's the problem I'm having. When I was younger, it was easy to do. Now, you're you get back from the call and it takes an hour to an hour and a half for me to get back to sleep and then before you know it, my alarm clock's going off and i haven't yeah. slept great yeah it's been a it's been a nice nice change because i was experiencing that same thing i'm like why was i why was i able to fall back asleep when i was on the job for two years now i'm on for 20 like i should be more relaxed like i should be more chill it should be easier like right was i just naive Two years on, like, I don't know, man. It was, it's an interesting, I experienced that same thing, but yeah, it's helped out significantly. Okay. Okay. Um, last but not least, John, like I said, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this, this is, is a homage to not only you, because I've said this before, there, there were, there were two podcasts that changed the way I thought about the fire service. Uh, the first one was with, uh, yourself. Tom Johnson and uh, 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 Craig Stalloway and um, Jake Barnes is a, a three-point firefighter. Those two, I was at a time where I was contemplating quitting fire service, definitely contemplating quitting departments or switching departments. I was, every, every day I'd go to work angry just because nobody had the same, or not nobody, but certain individuals didn't have the same drive, the same care that I thought should be within a department. So listening to your experience, uh, three-point firefighter with Jake Barnes experience changed my mindset. And I, I never knew anything about outside training. So after listening to, 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 to those two podcasts, it changed my trajectory in a way where I was able to meet other like-minded people that were going through the same issues. They're just like, Hey, I, I work at this department several States away and it's the same issues I was dealing with. So I just want to say thank you to you for providing me, showing me that way that it's okay to want to be good at the job. It's okay to love the job. It's okay that you want to be fit for the job. So uh, I just want to say thank you to that. And thank you for accepting the invite and coming on and talking shop with me. Yeah, brother. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. I think you're doing some great work and uh, impacting a lot of people. And, and what's most important about these platforms is just like you said, like you're not alone. You know, it's, it's not uncommon to feel like that because you're so driven and you want to be so good and you, and you really take the job serious and you love the job. And like we talked about that honor, that integrity, that character, that nobility, all the things that we attach to, if you're doing the job for the right reason, you attach to those things and you should. With that being said, we're all, the people that become firefighters all have flaws. They all have things they need to work on. So you get people in different 
seasons of life. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning. I haven't met the firefighter who woke up in the morning and said, I really want to suck today. I just hope I go to the firehouse and I want to suck. Those guys are the ones that do suck. They probably have something going on. They've been beat down at some point, like, or, you know, they just were around a crew that was lazy. So the thing I've been doing more and more is giving people grace and let, and, and trying to find a way to like connect with those people and make what I'm doing more inviting as opposed to when I was younger, I was more like angry about it and just like me against the world. It's like, no, these are all people that have wives, they have children, they have lives outside the firehouse and you don't know what's going on. This guy could be going through a divorce. His kid could be addicted to drugs. Like give people some space. Now, with that being said, there is a standard and there's a belief. I believe we need to approach the job, but at the same time, like, you know, no, none of us want to suck. We just get into different seasons of our career. And I think a combination of sharing, like you're not alone, we're all in this together and then trying to make things more inviting for those people. Cause sometimes they're intimidated by the workout you do Danny or the training conference, the conference you're going to. So it's just trying to find ways to, to bring others along with us. Cause that's really what it is, right? Like if you're, if you think you're the leader and you're, and you're, you're charging forward and you look behind you and there's nobody behind you, guess what? You're not the leader. I don't care how cool you think you are and how much you think you're doing. If there's nobody behind you, you're missing the point. And all great leaders know how to connect with people where they're at to bring them up. Now, there's always going to be that 10%. It doesn't matter what you do, but there's about 80% in there that are looking for what you're doing with this podcast. So keep it up, man. I'm proud of you. I think it's an awesome, an awesome thing you're doing. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to come on today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, John. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully you have a good rest of your day. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused. Stay committed and stay safe.